Warning, this podcast contains bad words and stories about drugs and sex and overthrowing the government. Proceed with caution. Thank you. And now on to our show. Wake up, brother, we got nothing to do. Let's go outside, just me and you, and build a fort. We'll pack a lunch, won't be home till after dark. Then after dinner, we can sneak back out. You know that high school girl I've been telling you about. Well, she gets undressed about a quarter to nine, and we can watch her do it from the big old pie next door. She got a room on the second floor. Well, looks like another fucked up day in paradise. Changes. So this is uh, Daughter of God cast, episode 129, uh, Changes, 129 Changes, and I'm here with the guitar, and I'm playing the guitar a little bit, because this is my mom's guitar, it just came back from the luthier, because it was having some problems, it was, uh, it was not really, it was really hard to tune, and, and there's a little history behind how that happened, we don't need to go into, um, but I think, I think we've kind of got it figured out now. Uh, my luthier, Tim Burke. Burks, Burke. I used to bring my guitars to Dan Kelchick, but he's kind of retired now, so I'm trying not to bother him. And, and Tim is really gangbusters about his guitar work, so I'm, I'm excited to bring stuff to Tim. I just started. It's the first time I brought anything to him. Anyway, so he, uh, he did a good job and, uh, and uh, evaluated what could be going wrong with his guitar and basically so after he did his magic he said the prescription now is to play it and let it kind of settle in to its new configuration so so i'm just going to play a little bit just while we talk here and um you know this is an exciting episode because i just ruined my laptop just now and um, I figure, well, since I ruined my laptop, let's just record this episode without any video. Let's just do it. I'll, I won't even use my good mic. I'll just use the, the Zoom. And I'll talk to you guys. And we'll just put some pretty picture up. And, uh, and this will be it. This will be the podcast. So I, I just ruined my laptop. I was thinking I would make some coffee. It's late now. It's like 11 o'clock. I thought I'd make some bulletproof coffee. And then I would hang out. And I would... Uh, quickly make some notes for this episode, get up in the morning and record it and post it. And so I talked to Greg for a little while on the phone and then I played with the cat for just a couple minutes just to give the cat some excitement. And then I turned to get my coffee in my laptop and I, one thing led to another, the coffee spilled and then it just shorted out. Done. The laptop that I'm using to basically as the core, the core um, organizational unit tool for this movie so but that's cool because with luck the hard drive is intact in there and the 
folks at CityMac and yank it out and put it in a new laptop. Maybe an older laptop, but probably a new one. I do have an older laptop here, but I'm not sure it would cope with with uh, what that hard drive has on it. So anyway, uh, looks like I've got to get another laptop tomorrow. And and so tonight we're just gonna we're just gonna record. We're gonna record a podcast, and we're gonna say, hey, that's, uh, that's it is what it is, and and we're just gonna move forward and enjoy ourselves, have a blast, play a little guitar for you. So let's see. Um, what would I like to talk about tonight? Well, I'm, as I said, I'm playing this guitar a little bit, just giving it a little bit of exercise. And, um, and I think it's, a, it's important. I, I, I've decided this is a really key time to talk about uh, my experience because talking to Greg tonight. So Greg is again, to remind everyone, Greg is our miniature guy. He's, uh, he's been building models for us for miniatures. Ooh. He's really kicked ass, and now um, we've got Albert joining us, and Albert uh, built a Reaper drone, which <laughs> turned out really nice, and he's he's going to be building a bunch more stuff for us, so now we've got two people building miniatures, and that is so amazing because it's going to really flesh out a lot of the scenes to have these miniatures available, and I'm super, super excited about that. Um uh, well, let's just do some news. Why not? Let's do news. And I'll come back because I had this talk with Greg and I thought it'd be fun to to uh, to talk about what that what that reminded me of my talk with Greg. But so Greg has been building miniatures and um, and now we got Albert. And so that's great. We've just got a very robust miniature team. And of course, I'm going to hopefully uh, get into the studio. Not hopefully. I'm definitely going to get into the studio and crank out one or two things myself that that really is only... I can do because my vision is so specific about them. Um, and it's what I want to do. I mean, if I could, I would build these miniatures myself, but it's way more fun to have people building them with me. So there's that. There's that. It's the idea of, of making movies with people so that we're not a hermit and living in a little cave for 13 years again. That's, that's not what we want to do for our next movie. So we're setting up the infrastructure to build movie, to make movies uh, in a more balanced and exciting and joyful way, uh, more and more every day, every second. <laughs> so, uh, what else is going on? Well, we are almost, we almost have the French version of dog.movie. That would be fr.dog.movie. It's almost ready for, um, uh, for sending to the people at can and asking the questions we need to ask about the whether dog will qualify to be entered into can sent to can and so um that's really close and uh Karine Laforest has been uh just kicking ass on the transcriptions and and I checked in with Endol tonight and he he was first a little bit like hey well it's pretty good but it's not it's you know it's she's kind of missing her sense of humor blah 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 he was saying that it was she was at 85% accuracy and then I said, okay, well, look at them and give me your feedback, blah, blah, blah. And then I also sent the translations off to a couple other people who I know are somewhat fluent in French. And I'm waiting for them to get back to me probably tomorrow. But And Dole, after looking it over and asking a few questions, he revised his accuracy assessment to 95%. So, um, so that's what he thinks about the translation. So, yeah, we're in a good place for translations. Basically, what I'm asking them is because we've there's two things that CAN has in its... Um, conditions. And one is that the films that are submitted have to be produced within the last year. 
And of course, Daughter of God has been going on for like 13 years. So is that okay that we've been working on this film for so long? And then B, uh, you're not allowed to have, the film is not allowed to have been um, posted on the internet. And so, you know, we've posted like 17 minutes of scenes, test screened 17 minutes of scenes in season two, the crowd creation. And so the movie is longer than 17 minutes, certainly. It's, you know, an hour plus. So, but, but, but was the, our posting of those scenes and getting feedback on those scenes in, pro, in progress, was that, did that basically ruin our chances to enter or send our film to Cannes? So that's what I'm asking the Cannes people to tell me. And again, I thought it would be a courtesy to provide the relevant pages in French so that it would be easier for them to decide whether or not um, Daughter of God passes muster. I think it's going to pass muster. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it will. Um, but if it doesn't, that's fine. But we, we, we need to know before we make this big push to get a screener ready for Cannes. And maybe um, Jordan was saying that, you know, if we organize the links in a efficacious way, we could be getting more SEO, French SEO, for the French site, which, you know, is super cool. I'm way into that idea. And if I had my druthers, I would put out a Japanese site and a German site and an Italian site and and uh, an Arabic site. Um, and in fact, one of the people that Emily found for me to do French translation, who who wrote to me after Karin um, and I settled on working together, uh is a Arabic woman. And I was asking her, does she have the confidence to translate in Arabic? Cause I mean, even that's a little bit of a, <laughs> a stretch for me at this point. Um, as far as the project priorities, it still would be something to consider because I, I really like the idea of reaching out to Arabic speaking people and, and letting this movie be in their experience. So because daughter of God belongs to everyone. Yes, she does. She's she's coming for all of us, not just for English people, English speaking people or French speaking people for that matter. So let's see. So, yeah, the French site is pretty much pretty close. A few little uh, tweaks on the formatting of the translations that I've been pasting into the new site. But I'm actually pretty I'm actually pretty excited. I have to say I'm pretty fired up that that within a week or so, Jordan and I were able to get the site cloned and and have translations available available from Karine and and get this thing, you know, and have Bluehost. Holy smokes, there was some wonkiness happening for the first few revisions of this thing. And and that Bluehost support, you know, was able to straighten that out. So I'm pretty happy with all these different diverse components coming together and and magically there's a functional site, a version in French of the site. How cool is that? Very cool. So, uh, and, and, and what else? Well, gosh, uh, the, the um, deep development archive is up. It's slightly improved. I have been, as time permits, combing through it and trying to get a little bit more organized. That's not, you know, I, I spoke before about how my finishing process is not just finishing the movie. The movie is like the tip of the iceberg. For me, the process of movie making is uh, it's a it's a it's a whole experience that I that I imagine 
and and the movie is kind of this thing that caps at the end but there's all this other stuff that's part of the process that is also available not only to me or you know yes to me but also to the audience so whoever wants to explore the the movie concepts and backstory and the process of making movies and the the lessons learned and the the mistakes made and the triumphs whoever's interested in that stuff that's all available too and and you know the podcast was this crazy performance process that I've gone through um to to enhance myself as a performer and a and a presence and even understand what what my voice is. I want to act more. I'd love to act in other people's projects. Um, and barring anybody inviting me to be in their project, I'm going to make more projects that I myself will get to be in. And Daughter of Godcast has been that kind of that practice every week of doing something for, for an audience. Um, and, and saying, okay, I'm, I'm here, here I am. I'm putting myself out there. I'm, I'm practicing my craft <laughs> and understanding, you know, who I am. Um, yeah, it's, fa it's fabulous. And, and all right. So, so, um, so this archive, this deep development archive is out there and, and I'm really glad that 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 also finally got launched again you know it, with every website i've launched now two websites basically in the past two weeks two additional websites and you know each each launching it, it whenever you at least for my experience launching a new website it, there's going to be some wonkiness initially and uh, especially if you're cloning databases and 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 moving them from one place to another uh, expect, expect some turbulence along the way. And, but I, I have to say, I'm super excited about having the deep development archive, excuse me for burping out there in the world. And, and it's, it really feels to me like, okay, you know, when I look at the idea of completion and, and completion as a process, as opposed to like, a a an outcome a result when i think about it as a process i'm like i am i am having an, a fabulous completion process and you know there's a part of me and maybe a maybe some of you folks are saying yeah yeah well when's the fucking movie gonna be done bah! right <laughs> because to most people and even to me at one point in my life the movie being finished was the actual completion when the movie is done then we're done um but but when I really stop and think about what it means to me to finish a movie, uh, this movie specifically, I've had this bigger idea of how I wanted my movie making, what I wanted my movie making to look like. When Charlie Chaplin was making movies, he just made the movie until he was done. And, and he had the clout or the resources or whatever to just shoot and shoot and shoot and keep doing scenes until it was what he really wanted. And... and uh, you know, there's a lot of costs involved with that kind of movie making and, and way more than the studios would tolerate later on. And, and for, you know, for instance, Buster Keaton, um, was, you know, got his chance to make, um, 
the general, I guess it was. And that was, he, you know, he got to do all kinds of crazy shit in that movie, stunts and, and, and like ruining a, 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 ruining an actual locomotive and, and stuff that, that later on the, the studios reined him in and wouldn't let him spend that kind of money. Um, but Charlie Chaplin made this was had this freedom to make film in the way that he wanted to make it, you know, really um, just being concerned with his own standards and not necessarily about budget. And when in the nine in the, what was it in the in the late nineties I guess it was mid to late nineties when DV started really happening, I thought to myself, you know, that could be a return to the Chaplin. Uh, process the Chaplin approach to making film because if DV cameras are coming and they're going to eventually get cheaper and as computers are getting cheaper and we have this thing called Final Cut which allows you to to do nonlinear editing on on a computer with this DV footage and and that really promises to bring the costs of filmmaking way down um, eventually and and then that will mean that 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 filmmakers can rediscover that Chaplin approach. Um, and again, it, 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 it's not that, you know, we want to spend 12 years making a movie again, we meaning me, I, I would like to make my movies, uh, my movie process be, be a little bit more svelte <laughs> than it has been. Um, I, I wouldn't want to spend this much time again for the, uh, for what, this movie actually is, but it's, you know, it's all good. I, I did a lot of other stuff besides make this movie in the last 12 years. So it's all good. Um, but to have the, the thing I definitely want to keep is I want to keep the freedom. I want to keep the, the experimentation. I want to keep the, the exploration aspect. And, um, you know, there's a certain financial, um, responsibility and there's another word I'm looking for, but I don't have it right this moment. Um, fiscal responsibility, I suppose, and and time management, and and people counting on on a particular outcome happening within a reasonable amount of time. There's all that stuff. It's not necessarily the studio. I am the studio, or I I have a studio. It's not the studio that I'm answering to. It's the whole group of people that surround the project and that are involved with it and have certain expectations of it being done so they can actually get excited about it and show it and have it be part of their portfolio and their momentum. And that brings me to a conversation I had with Melanie. Um, she was saying that, that, you know, people in our tribe, and again, I, I guess I kind of knew this, but it was really interesting to hear her say it like flat out like this, that people in our tribe have been watching me make this movie like, oh yeah, that's Dan's movie that never ends. And, uh, and I guess I might have thought about what other people think about this process that I've been involved in. And, uh, I also thought, well, you know, that's kind of what the podcast is about. If people are curious about my process and wonder why it's taken so long, they can listen to the podcast and find out, you know, Melanie was with me at the beginning and she's back again doing props. And, and I, I know that there's a certain, I can sense there's a certain amount of reluctance, not reluctance, but, but, um, carefulness on her part that she doesn't get involved in again, in a, in a, in a project that won't actually wrap up in her lifetime. Cause it was again, you know, 12 years ago, 13 years ago when she, let's see, no more than that, 2006, 2019 now. So how it's, that's, uh, 
So it's 10 years, uh, it's 13 years. Yeah, there you go. 13 years that she got involved with this and still 13 years later, she's coming back on board. And, and again, she's a good friend and she loves me and I love her. And she's also, you know, involved in this because it, it furthers her own momentum as an artist. Uh, but I also, you know, I, I think there was an evaluation on her part about, well, should I get reinvolved in this thing? Is he really going to finish this? You know, or am I going to be disappointed again? So that that I that conversation with Melanie made me, you know, kind of appreciate more that that the people I'm bringing on, some of the people um, like Melanie have have been on this project before, and they've been around the block with me on it, and uh, a couple of other friends of mine that know Melanie and 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 I'm just looking at my levels here that know Melanie and and know me. Um, obviously, uh, they've obviously been having conversations about this project and, and, you know, will Dan Kelly ever finish his movie? But, um, a few of those people are, have come and come on to help as well. And I feel, um, as I was, I was watching tonight, um, how big oil conquered the world and why big oil conquered the world. Um, what the hell is that guy's name? Sorry, I don't have his name right off the bat, but I'll, I'll try and link it up in the, it's a, well, the, that video is on the resource on the reference pages of um, why.movie under oil. So if you want to go see that video, I'm sorry that I'm forgetting the, the, the person who produced that documentary, those documentaries. But as I was watching those tonight, I was sort of thinking to myself, you know, it talks a lot about the Rockefellers and how, you know, there's sort of like this elite um, that have sort of seized, seized control of culture, <laughs> you know, for the past hundred years or so. And, and, you know, you can talk about conspiracy theories, but, you know, this isn't conspiracy theories. This is history. They lay it out for you in such a way that, uh, it's like, oh yeah, there you go. It's pretty clear. Um, and so it's not like, it's not like you have to, you have to believe anything. Just, just see how it all came down and, and check out the history. And I'm watching this and I'm thinking, well, you know, the elite and how funny this is that this really clicks in with, uh, the idea of the clique that I came up with. Uh, a few weeks back or whatever it was when I, Melanie and I were, were chatting about props and it's like, well, of course, you know, I, I'm, I'm just adapting this idea. I just came up with this, I, this word for the elite. Um, and I called them, I'm calling them the clique. <laughs> and I thought to myself, you know, as, as, as I'm watching these documentaries, I'm like, wow, this is really kind of crazy how close this is to some of the more subtle aspects of the clique. And, and how I can actually just fit all this in to the clique's worldview. And, and then I was thinking to myself, actually, you know, the one thing about the clique is that, is that you know, unlike, unlike other evildoers in other movies, the clique aren't evildoers. They're actually, they're actually a, an enlightened, um, an enlightened minority that's the best way to call to, to talk about them they're an enlightened minority who who see things from a perspective that most people who are indoctrined into this dominant culture just could not understand like they're kind of beyond good and evil and 
and and for them there is no such thing as good and evil and 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 it's kind of a it's kind of a you know I'm trying to 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 offer a idea of an adversary who actually might know more and have a higher calling than the protagonists in the film. That doesn't mean that they're there's that they're right and the protagonists are wrong because again there is no right or wrong. They're just these different perspectives. And and I think that's the thing that that's the subtlety that I'm having fun with thinking about right now because I I I think the whole concept of good and evil as offered to us in most cinematic experiences or not most, but many cinematic experiences is just completely uh, impoverished, you know, good and evil. It's just too freaking easy. And, and, and it it doesn't actually uh, apply, especially if you think about it from a um, Marshall Rosenberg perspective, an evil person, a bad person, is someone who has not had their needs met, maybe for most of their life. And, and if their needs could be met, their needs as a human being for rapport and to be heard and seen. If those needs are met, then there are things that they're doing to have their needs met that other people would see as crimes um, would just not be relevant for them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so, so that whole idea of the non, of nonviolent communication also gets rid of the the paradigm of good and evil. And uh, one more one, you know, one. Let's go back to one more. How about um, Abraham Hicks? You know, we're all in this together. Me and you and and our adversaries are are the people who have quote unquote hurt us. Ultimately, we're all. We're all of the same thing. We're all of the same origins. And we're all uh, going to be recycled back into those origins. And, and we're all in this together. It's a giant, beautiful, amazing performance piece that we're all collaborating in together. Even this cat who's sitting right here waiting for me, please play with me anything, you know, shake a stick at, you know, in front of me, you know, and, and I'll just get excited about that. A fucking stick. If you put a stick in front of me and wave it around, I will get excited about that because that's what cats, you know, are all about. They don't need a lot. They just need a little, a little bit of teasing and something with a piece of wood. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's it. You know, earth is basically this, this amazing piece of theater. And, and from that perspective, there isn't really any right or wrong. And so, you know that's a that's a very difficult concept for I wouldn't I you know I shouldn't I would just say it's a it's a it's a concept that isn't necessarily uh, um, something that is commonly uh, explored maybe and but I'm exploring it and this movie explores it and I, I'm a little bit off the track here but may, but not so much because this is again something I I kind of wanted to talk about watching this documentary tonight. And thinking about the parallels between the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, and the clique, and eugenics, and all the uh, all the and the the tech the tech the tech 
technocrats, the tech, what's it, what's the tech, uh, I forget the <laughs> tech, technic, technocratic, um, yeah, whatever, that weird organization that, that was running around that pre-imagined all of the surveillance that is now uh, so becoming so common in our experience that they they dreamed that up way before the technology even existed for us to be able to do that. And maybe I have an opportunity to throw a, a sabot into the gears of the particular of this particular machine that's been created. Or maybe I maybe I'm not going to throw a sabot into the gears. Maybe I'm going to actually. Uh, change the direction of this machine or alter its operation in a way that that's more interesting to me. I don't know. Well, you know, whatever. But I feel like I'm now coming into a place where that those though that's an, a real option for me. And and it's a little spooky, really. And the movie, this movie, is my opening gambit. And Jerry the character and daughter of God, you know, all these apocalypses, all these, excuse me, all these catastrophes, different kinds of catastrophes happen in sequence one after the other. And, and Jerry, the character of Jerry is like, he can't help looking at those and going, you know, that doesn't seem like an accident. All that stuff that happened, it just doesn't seem like an accident to me. I just don't, I just don't think that happened all kind of randomly. It kind of seems planned to me. And that sets him on a particular course of inquiry that that brings other elements into the story and, and sets him up basically for what happens a little bit later on with Christina when she shows up um, in his cabin. So... Anyway, I'd like to get back to the conversation I had with Greg because this is kind of the crux of this podcast and, and we're, you know, we're pushing 30 minutes now. Let's see how, where are we right now? Uh, yeah, it's probably a little bit over 30 minutes at this point. So let's just, let's just kind of bring it to a closure <laughs> with, this, with this next uh, whatever, elucidation. So Greg and I were talking and 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 Greg was saying that, you know, when he builds for me, he's building a miniature for me, a model. He has, when he begins the model, he has a certain idea of the quality of the build and what he's going to be able to deliver. And and it's turned out after, you know, four or five models that that it's really just about getting, making sure that it's a good, clean build. And and what that means in in the parlance of miniatures is that it it really looks uh like a miniature version of the actual object or vehicle it's it's the lines are crisp and and there isn't any there isn't any artifacts or things that are out of scale on the model artifacts of the build like seam lines from the the molding process or or some little smidgen of glue that shouldn't be where it where it is, and and you know, or out of scale things like this this size of this particular thing that was added doesn't actually make any sense on the scale of the model, and so that's just a good clean build up, basic foundation, and so he is having this process of reconciling himself to to accepting the results. 
and and the fact that they may be in uh, they may they may not exactly be the same as what he thought he was going to be able to do when he starts out, and and that's that's putting him he's 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 going down uh, he's he's having some he's he's experiencing some changes because of that some emotional and 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 self. Um, self-conception self self-conceptual changes and and okay that's growth and and okay the 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 wanting a certain thing and and then having something else happen and and how does that you know how do we feel about that and it made me want to talk about in this episode my own experience that I'm having and tonight I ruined my laptop. I mean, just before I started this podcast, I trashed a laptop. I, I spilled coffee and, 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 you know, I was a tiny bit careless, but it was also one of those things that sometimes that stuff just is unavoidable. And maybe it's actually supposed to happen on some level because it, you know, it, it sets a chain of events uh, in motion that, that have to happen for some outcome to be possible. And again, that's not something I expect everyone to buy, but, but I'm just open to that possibility. But I ruined a laptop tonight and that, that, you know, that could be, would easily be conceived of as a setback in the process. Um, who knows what I've lost? Maybe I've lost my whole hard drive, which could be, you know, annoying to say the least. And not, 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 it wouldn't destroy the project, but it would certainly be a little bit of a setback if the hard drive is not recoverable. But what mostly what I wanted to talk about was my own, my own, the changes that I'm going through in bringing this movie to closure. Because again, let's keep in mind that this has been going on for a long time. And I, I actually was looking at, um, I was looking at the uh, uh, timeline that I created at, at Y.movie, and the timeline is, I'm just changing my levels here, make sure I got nice and good high levels. The timeline, that's a little too, too high, the timeline um, has two parts. One is all of, the, all of the timelines I built back in, I started building in 2016 when I started podcasting, I needed to build these timelines so I could understand what actually happened during the making of the daughter of God and, and what was transpiring in my life at the time. And so in that, in the timeline, I, I, uh, I, to build those timelines, I went through my emails and I went through my journals and I even looked at my receipts for like where I was, like what toll booths I went through where I must've been on a road trip doing this or that. So that helped me to reconstruct these timelines. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember what I was doing. I was driving to Michigan that week and blah, blah, blah. And so then I could talk about that on the podcast, re-remember those experiences and, and relate them, you know, or, or talk about how they related to the movie. Another part of the timeline is all of the posts that are part of the deep development archive year by year. And I, I looked at that. I was like from 2004 to to 2019 and I'm like oh my god that's 16 years that this archive spans <laughs> this deep development archive and the deep development archive didn't exist for 16 years but the the things that I've included in it 
are relevant and to that to that process. I mean, in 2004 is two years, a year before I wrote the script for Daughter of God and two years before I started actually making it. And so, but but it was really interesting to see the events that kind of set the stage for Daughter of God to happen, for, for the script to be written. Um, and so that's all there. But I thought, 16 years, what, what? And, and I, I, I think about this process and the changes that I've gone through have been momentous in, in the person that I was then and am now because of this movie making. But what I really want to focus on is what's happening right now. Because after 16 years or whatever of, of getting set up, getting the table set, and then sitting down to eat this massive meal of, of movie, and, and now here I am, uh, you know, eating that, that last mint, that last, just a thin mint, <laughs> you know, right at the end here. It's a terrible analogy, but whatever. Uh, what, what's happening to me now? And I thought to myself like a month or two ago, all I really have to do, all of this finishing process is about is just to maintain my own joy. That's primary, maintaining my own joy and the working on actually shooting stuff and editing. That's secondary. That's secondary because the movie comes from joy it's not the uh, it's not the other way around. It's not like I finish the movie and then I get to experience joy. I I actually the movie manifests. It shows up because I am deliberately choosing to feel great, and that's the challenge that I am experiencing right now. I I really am. I really have so many different pieces in play right now as I've got people working with me and these different components uh, are are becoming are deployed and becoming you know showing up and manifesting and 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 can I do it can I really do this can I really really finish this I mean there's so much still left to do so many things still left to finish and and can I really finish all of these different things? Can I really climb to the very top of this pyramid and cap it with a freaking finished feature film? And who, who is that person? Who is that person who does that? And am I, can I really be that person? Wow. That's, that's, that's the, experience I'm having now as all of this momentum is happening. And I just, I, I, I said that to Greg, it's like, you know, you're having these experiences of, of shifting your, your self-awareness, shifting your self-conception because of the builds you're doing for a daughter of God. And, and that's a brilliant, awesome process because, you know, you're, he's really, really uh, becoming more, deliberately becoming more through this build process. And, and it's challenging. It's challenging and, and, and fabulous, you know, it's fabulously challenging. Uh, 
And for me, I, I also now am hitting this, I would say, this frontier of who I am again, yet again. I'm hitting this, this edge and I'm going, going beyond the edge. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm just, just, I would say gently urging myself, but it's, it's, it's an edge. It's, it's an expansion. It's right at the very forefront of who I am, what's happening right now. And I just want to acknowledge that um, because, well, because A, that's, that's the whole point of podcasting is to share my experience, but also just to say, you know, um, it's, it is a choice. Season four, choice. It's a choice to keep going, to stand at the edge, to walk along the edge. And it's a cliff edge. And down there is a, is a vast crevasse, bottomless. I could fall into it and, and be undone. And in fact, that's kind of the whole idea is that, is that somehow, again, here's where the analogy totally falls apart. The point is to fall into it and become undone and then be standing again on a new, a new edge that's a little bit farther out than the previous cliff was. But because I was unmade, I'm able to stand there now. And falling off the edge, tripping and spilling a cup of coffee on the counter that your laptop is sitting on and, and, and disaster, that's part of it. That's part of that edge. It's real and, and going beyond what we know and who we are. That's, that's what this is about. And we don't have to do that all the time. We don't have to do that every single day, like always push ourselves right to our limit and go beyond it. You know, it's not necessary, but but we do things in life to find where our edge is. And some people do that all the time and some people do it once in a while and some people maybe never do it. But, you know, I like, I like, this edge that I'm on. It's a little scary. Yeah. It's a little bit daunting. It's, it's, there's some, there's some stuff coming up and I love, what I love about it is learning something I'm, I've, I've, I've done a little bit before in my life, but I'm getting so good at it now. It's just soothing myself at this place. It's okay. It's perfectly fine. Right here, you're okay. And, you know, and I was talking to Jacob about this. Um, my friend Jacob from Ann Arbor, who I was thinking about, you know, throwing the idea. I did a screen test with him to see if I could, you know, if I could maybe get him to be in the film, 
in, in Daughter of God as a, as a shamanic character. But we were talking about Wim Hof and talking about the process. And, and one, of the, one of the things that I was relating to him was when you're doing Wim Hof and you, you're breathing, you're doing the rounds of breathing, and then you expel all the air from your lungs and then just stay there with no air in your lungs. And you just stay there for as long as it makes sense without any air in your lungs. And, you know, two minutes, maybe three for some people, four minutes, just there, sitting quietly, not breathing, no air in their lungs. And what that feels like at that edge where, yeah, you can do it for, you know, if you start from scratch, you might be able to do it for 20 seconds. And it's just like, oh, no problem. I can just sit here. Maybe a minute goes by, minute and a half, and your body's starting to say to you, uh, when are you going to breathe? Are you, are you going to breathe like soon? Because... Because this is, this is, this is scary. This, this is, you're, you know, we're, we're coming to the end of our, our supply of oxygen here and, and the cells are beginning to, uh, uh, complain and, 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 uh, and, and, and this, I, you know, this slight panic kind of comes in. It's a very visceral thing. It's not intellectual. I mean, it is intellectual, but, but it, it kind of like, well, I'm used to breathing. I, I just, I, I breathe. And why am I not breathing right now? What, what, how long is this going to last? Are you going to just not breathe like forever? I mean, you know, and, you're, and all these thoughts come up. And even some of them are not even thoughts. They're just like these, these sensations. And, and, and to just sit with that, to sit with that panic and like, okay, I'm okay. I'm not going to force myself to stay in this state longer than I am comfortable with, but, but am I really in trouble? Am I really in trouble right now? Or, or can I just feel a little bit more relaxed? Could I actually relax right now? Hey, hey, yeah, yeah, I, I, I can relax. Oh, uh, Mary, uh, uh, Zuzu, I, I can relax. I can just chill out right now and just stay in a place where it's okay, even though I'm not breathing. I'm okay. And that's, that's what it's like. I, I'm learning, <laughs> I'm learning how to soothe so many different ways to soothe. And this big, big finish, this big completion is a soothing opportunity. And this has been the Daughter of Godcast, episode 029. What did I call this? Something. I forgot now. <laughs> this had a title, I thought, but maybe I don't remember it now. But anyway, this is the fourth season of the Daughter of Godcast Choice. My name is Dan Kelly, Shri Fuji Split. And I'm uh, just really glad to be able to offer this episode even though there's no video and and uh, we've we've damaged some of our podcasting gear, I'm still able to offer this podcast episode to you, and I appreciate your attention. Even though this wasn't crafted prior to recording and it's gone on for a good forty minutes now, yeah, something like that. Um, it's just a it's just a bit of a spiel. 
just a just a random allowing of words to pop out of my mouth into this recording device. And you know, anybody who's listened to this podcast knows that I love writing and I love I love reading my writing. <laughs> I love doing a really bang up job. Um, or at least a halfway decent job of, of performing a script. Um, and this is good too. I, I, I'm glad that I'm exploring this aspect of podcasting. And thank you for your attention. And I look forward to visiting with you again in another Six or so days. Well, life is over and I'm starting again by Lake Michigan or the banks of the sand. Like a coma that I've woken up from my field. The rays slanted in from the sun, my friend. We meet again. What a lovely surprise. This would be so hilarious. I would have so much fun if this actually were in my experience right now. Can, can, can you kind of think of something like that? Sure. Right, just think about that and just feel that feeling of how that would feel to have that thing be real in your experience right now. Hilarious and fun and awesome. And then read them again to me. If you could tell yourself something from this back to then, would you whisper be better? Or for God's sakes, more sin? If you could rewrite your present by visiting your past, would you try to be gentler? Or kick some more ass? And why mourn that lost lover, heartbroken and how, when another you smiling, near here, almost now? <laughs>